1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 of Waking Up to Narcissism. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, uh, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, and also host of the Virtual Couch podcast, as well as Murder on the Couch, the Mind, Mirror, and Me, and uh, soon an ADHD podcast with my good friend, author, and speaker, Julie Lee. So do me a favor. And go sign up for the newsletter because that is where you're going to find out everything. There should be a link tree link in the show notes, or you can just go to tonyoverbay.com and sign up there. And if you have questions and comments and thoughts and stories and poems or want to be involved in one of the private Facebook groups for men or women, please reach out to me. I would love to get you connected there as well. But let's get into today's episode. So let's start with a story and this is a true story, not even just a based off of a true story. This is a true story, but I have changed the name of the person, but they had reached out and we will call her Amelia. So Amelia had always been, she liked to consider herself a seeker, somebody who believed that every obstacle and every encounter was an opportunity for growth. And she had a relationship, and we'll call the guy Mark. Mark she met during a work seminar, and he seemed to be no different. Mark was charismatic, and he captured the attention of anybody within his proximity. So to Amelia, Mark was not just a romantic interest, but she also felt like he was a little bit of a puzzle, somebody that had just these depths that she believed that she could navigate and understand, but in the process that she could also grow with, because she truly had grown up not knowing what a real healthy relationship looked like. So as the months turned into years, Amelia found herself in this ever-demanding course of what she started to look at as differentiation class 101 because she felt like Mark's charm, because she felt like Mark's charm often veered into manipulation, and sometimes she felt like his confidence got a little bit too egotistical, and dare she started to google the word narcissism, but each interaction felt like a little bit of a tightrope walk for Amelia. So she was trying to maintain her individuality without succumbing to Mark's very strong emotional currents. And Amelia is a very intelligent person. She had the degrees to back up that, that concept. She had the degrees to back it up. And so Amelia really said, I can take every episode as a lesson. So when Mark would then start to deflect blame onto her, then she would pause and think, okay, all right, it's fair enough. Why do I feel guilty? Because I didn't do anything wrong. Or what part of me needs healing? to not be swayed by these accusations from Mark. So she started to see all these moments as true opportunities to test her concepts of differentiation. And she believed that if she could master this relationship, then she will have grown leaps and bounds personally, and she would, in essence, lead Mark into emotional safety, and they would live happily ever after. But however, as she started to dive deeper, and she started a journey into therapy, and started to look into self-awareness, Then there was another little voice that started to whisper, almost imperceptibly at first. And it really was her gut instinct, her visceral reaction. And it was starting to nudge her to recognize the difference between challenging growth and what she started to identify as self-preservation. So sure, every encounter with Mark taught her something, but what was the cost? So late one evening after another one of their heated arguments where Mark had twisted her words, Amelia sat in this dimly lit living room. And she was trying to look at herself, and and she had heard in the podcast, uh, waking up to narcissism, here's an opportunity to self-confront, introspect, and grow. And she said it dawned on her that while she was chasing growth, that she was also ignoring the loud, clear alarms that her instincts were ringing. Every time that she would justify Mark's behavior as a lesson, she was starting to sideline her own well-being. And so this realization, she said it felt very sharp and very unsettling. Could she have been using this idea of personal growth to avoid admitting that she might be in an unhealthy relationship? And so she was on this this balance of growth and well-being and well-being and growth. And she felt like she was almost on this teeter-totter and it almost got into a rhythm, which she thought was good or is it good. But just because she was learning and evolving didn't mean that she was in a situation that was ultimately beneficial or safe for her. So the struggle to differentiate herself from Mark's emotional immaturity had become the primary focus so much that she started feeling like she missed seeing the overall picture and she really was starting to lose herself. So then she said she felt like with a heavy heart, she realized that growth is not just about learning through challenges, but also about recognizing and and how to listen to her own body. In essence, that body keeps the score concept. And that might even mean when to step away trusting one's gut she concluded is as much a part of personal development as any lesson a challenging situation could provide and she said it wasn't an overnight decision but eventually she decided to choose her well-being over the exhaustive never-ending lessons that her relationship with mark presented so she embraced this understanding that while growth is absolutely essential that it couldn't come at the expense of her peace her safety and then her overall intrinsic worth So with that start, let me just say that I did an episode on the virtual couch a week or two ago about this concept of differentiation, and it has been very well received, but I also know that it can be hard to look at every exchange with somebody who is manipulative or emotionally immature or even narcissistic as these opportunities for growth when our body is also in the process of trying to simultaneously fire off warning bells as well as, as Protect yourself and those around you and try to make sense of things that you thought made sense. And now you're learning they maybe don't make sense. And P.S., I also hear the phrase, I'm just exhausted, more in the context of people that are in emotionally immature relationships than those who are coming in simply trying to learn how to communicate better. So I think it often is the brain's way, this uh, emotional exhaustion, to just say, let me just get a little rest because maybe this will help me make sense of things and I will stand up for myself tomorrow. Or I will give my spouse or my partner that aha moment tomorrow after I get a good night's rest. What I want to do first is give a quick explanation on the concepts of what differentiation really is because it's a psychology buzzword for sure, but it's also a superpower. So, my goal today is going to be that if anything, by the end of this episode, that you are going to have a much clearer understanding of what it really does mean to be differentiated, even if it is something that you don't feel like you can reach in your current relationship. Or let me give you multiple versions of... Okay, so I'm going to share some content from the Virtual Couch episode on differentiation. And let me just say that one of the things that I used to joke about when I very first started podcasting seven or eight years ago, and then I doubled down on with the publication of my first book, which was about three or four years ago, was that I would never be the, the person who would someday quote themselves. I felt like that was extremely, extremely pretentious. I, I feel like, oh, the ego necessary for that, Right. Anyway, let me turn to the transcript from the virtual couch episode and tell you what I said, because doggone it, it was just so good. And uh, and I truly hope that you are recognizing sarcasm and irony and just humor in general. So let's just say that I am quoting a podcast on differentiation that may then in fact be by me. So Bowen's differentiation of self-theory revolves around the idea that individuals vary in their ability to distinguish between their own thoughts and feelings and those of others. So those with higher levels of differentiation can better maintain their individuality, even in the face of, of external pressure, but they can still be connected and emotionally available to others. So what does that mean? It means that every encounter that we have, every word exchanged or emotion felt in response to another, and it doesn't just mean another person. It means an intera- it can mean a movie that you watch. It can mean an interaction that you have. It can mean anything is an opportunity to be this mirror reflecting aspects of ourselves. So these reactions often, they can offer this invaluable insight into our internal landscape of our minds or what it feels like to be us. And then by examining those, then we start to open up these pathways for personal growth. So if I even dig down even more, let's simplify that even more. Bowen's theory is basically like this, that some people are really good at knowing their own feelings and thoughts separate from what others feel or think. And when they're good at this, then they get to be themselves, even if there's peer pressure. But they can also connect and be there emotionally for others. Let me give a a couple of examples. So honestly, uh, I feel like this is one of those things that you're talking about when when I'm giving a talk to a bunch of teenagers. But I run into this with adults a lot. You and your friends are at a party. And again, I'm not talking about your teenager friends. I'm talking to the adults listening because I get to hear all kinds of stories. But you're out with your friends and you don't want to drink. Or there may even be some drugs being passed around, and your friends want you to. So, you either have a history of drinking and you're trying to move past it, or maybe you don't drink, period, but the peer pressure doesn't necessarily wane when you're older. So, you're out with friends, but you don't want to feel left out. So, remembering that you are now hearing about differentiation and about being true to oneself, you decide it is time to be honest. So, you say something like, Hey guys, I am really not wanting to drink. I can be the designated driver, but then your friends say, that's what Uber is for, so don't let us down. We don't get out very much. It'll only be this one time and all of those types of responses. But from a differentiated place, you see this as an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity to start to hold a boundary without even having to get angry at somebody or beat yourself up. So it really is a no, I'm good. You guys, you do you. And then your friends can still look surprised and then shrug, okay, you're missing out. But then you are able to stand in that that healthy ego, that confidence, and say, well, maybe so, but that's a me thing. You guys have fun. And then you pull out your phone and you film them and make fun of them together the next day. And I'm kidding with that. But even though you are deciding to be different from your group, you can still feel connected and you can joke with them. And you can take that concept into any experience, whether it's a bunch of your friends want to go see a scary movie, and you just really do not want to be scared. But in that story before, you are showing differentiation because you know your own feelings and then you have the courage to express them, even if your friends feel differently. And you can still stay connected and on good terms with them. Now, not being differentiated is again, you do not want to drink, but you fall to peer pressure. And we do that even as adults. And then the message that you're sending is that if you are pushed enough, then you'll relax on your boundaries. And even if you are saying, well, this is I won't do it again, this is the last time, that may just be a way to get you out of that discomfort of that moment. But once you get out of that discomfort, are you doing that work to make sure that it doesn't happen again the next time? For the remainder of the night, then you may feel guilty, you may feel some shame and eventually drink maybe even way too much to try to not feel those feelings and then beat yourself up the next day. In which, for the record, I'm still saying I'm no fan of shame. That's still not a way to handle the situation. But if we're sticking to the concepts of differentiation, I think you can see where I'm going. So in that version, then you've suppressed your true feelings and you go along with the group. And it illustrates a lack of differentiation. And I work with that in my office, I will say, on a daily basis. That people are unable to express their individuality and instead they merge with the desires and feelings of friends and others. So that concept, again, of differentiation is where one person ends and the other begins. And I often like to say that in the middle of that that, uh, place where differentiation resides is a lot of invalidation because a lot of times we find ourselves in these friendships and relationships with people that do want you to be their emotional support animal. So they are just asking you to come along with them so that they have someone there to validate them. But are they really respecting you or getting to know you if they're trying to push your boundaries? Because I will maintain that is that is not the greatest example of a friend. So somebody that respects your boundaries, then that means that they too are differentiated. And those friendships can just seem a lot easier. And this is where I like to say that friendships and relationships really don't need to be as difficult as they often feel. And the reason why they will feel difficult is because you may be, you may often be asked to overlook your boundaries. Give up your boundaries so that someone else can... Can have some somebody there to validate what they are going through, where that really is more of a them issue. Or let's give a couple of examples, that, and these are based off of real stories where a, a husband needs to be differentiated from his wife. We'll call this couple Mark and Lisa, and they've been married for <clears throat> and they've been married for several years. So over time, Mark has recognized Lisa's emotional immaturity and often reacting to situations impulsively without considering Mark's feelings or the ramifications of her actions. So one evening, Lisa returns home and she has impulsively purchased a lot of things, expensive handbag, just a lot of things without running it by Mark and not in the controlling running it by Mark, but they are trying to shore up their spending. So feeling concerned about their tight financial situation, then Mark takes a deep breath and instead of reacting angrily, he calmly says, hey, I really understand that you like this bag and that there are these things that you really felt you needed, but I truly wish we could have discussed this first Because as we have tried to discuss, we have other priorities right now. And then Lisa immediately and defensively snaps back, you always make me feel guilty about spending. And then Mark remaining composed says, hey, I am truly not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to express my concern about our finances. And I would love it if we could sit down together and go over our budget. So that would be the differentiated version. Now, in reality, the Mark in this situation said that, unfortunately, when he saw the expensive handbag, he really said, are you serious? Why would you do this? You don't even think about... Thing, conversations we had an hour ago. So then she felt attacked and she said, you are always so controlling about how I spend and it's my money too. And now even more upset than Mark says, you don't even think about us or our future. You only think about yourself and you can only imagine that argument escalated and neither person felt heard and they both felt attacked. So in that first scenario, that is Mark's differentiation and that allows him to communicate his feelings without attacking Lisa or overly reacting to her impulsivity. So then he maintains his individuality, expresses his concerns without getting swept up in the emotional whirlwind. But in that second scenario, his lack of differentiation results in him reacting very impulsively and emotionally, which is really mirroring Lisa's emotional immaturity herself. And we could probably even add a third scenario where Mark simply doesn't say a thing because he's already sure, or he believes where the conversation is going to go. But then by stuffing his feelings... He's either going to eventually explode, lose his sense of self, look for validation outside of the marriage, or quite frankly, start to exhibit a decline in his health. Because at some point, his own body is saying, Mark, bro, you can't keep doing this. What do we have to do? We'll throw some chronic pain, maybe a little irritable bowel syndrome your way. Maybe if you're afraid of of having an accident in the chip aisle of a Walmart, you might actually do something different in your relationship. So, this concept of differentiation is actually something that is necessary for one's own health. So, relating these concepts about Bowen's theory of self-differentiation, I think we can deduce then there's a few things, and, and this is again coming from the virtual couch episode, that our reactions are indicators. So, when we react to something that somebody has said, it's not just about that individual or their words. It's about our own internalized values or our beliefs or our emotional patterns. So if you have a strong reaction, whether it's positive or negative, then that can be an indication of areas where we may have a lower level of differentiation. So for example, if we find ourselves excessively upset or anxious about somebody's opinion, then it probably suggests that we are pretty enmeshed in or we are fused with the emotional states of others, that that we really do feel like we have to caretake them or that we are just uh, we're responsible for someone else. Or we can deduce that these these opportunities for growth, they really are ways that we can become more differentiated, a better human being. Because recognizing that these reactions provide us with a unique opportunity to look introspectively, then now we can start to look at everything as an opportunity to grow. So why did that comment affect us so deeply? What does this tell us about our own beliefs or values or unresolved emotions? Because if you can dive into those questions, then that can aid in your own journey of self-differentiation. And as you learn to understand and separate your emotional response from the person that's delivering it or whatever that external stimuli is, that is when you can start to feel empowered and truly look at everything as an opportunity to grow. And I will keep going back to that concept, but it becomes this eventual state of being Where when you recognize this is the very first time that you're going through life as you in that situation, and that there is nothing wrong with you, you are not broken, you're a human, and then you can step back and say, check this out, here's my reaction. Now I can look at that reaction with curiosity and say, why did I react? Is this something that I feel that I need to prove? Is this something, someone that I feel I need to fix or save? Or did that person, did that button hit me hard because, because this brings back some childhood experience? So things truly do become a way for you to look and grow because ultimately you are, are only in charge of your own thoughts and feelings and emotions. These concepts can also enhance this self-differentiation. So by consistently reflecting on our reactions and using them as tools for introspection, we can start to work toward increasing this level of self-differentiation. And so then it doesn't only help with your own personal growth, but you'll also see it start to bleed into fostering healthier relationships because you can remain emotionally connected without becoming overwhelmed or unduly influenced by the emotions and thoughts and feelings of others. So as every interaction continues to serve as a potential growth point, then there are these moments that can really spotlight where you're at, what your level of self-differentiation is in certain situations and with certain people, and you can start to put those clues together and it's like solving your own puzzle. Here's a concept that I really want to get down solid in today's episode. And and it is, again, quoting the differentiation episode from The Virtual Couch, but I've cleaned up the quote and I've added a little bit to it as well. So imagine every time somebody says or does something and you react, you get mad, happy, or upset that it really is like getting a pop quiz about yourself. Why did you feel that way? What is it saying about you? So if we go back to then Bowen, this father of differentiation, Talks about the idea that we need to learn the difference between what we feel and think and what others feel and think. And the better we get at this, the better we handle drama, stay calm and steady, and become more consistent. So when things go down in life, and inevitably it will, things will go down, and you feel some type of way, you get all up in your feelings, that it really is like life's way of giving you hints about who you are. And differentiation does not mean that you don't care about other people's feelings or thoughts it just means that you can tell the difference between theirs and your own. So it's about balancing your individuality with your connection to others. And it means recognizing what emotions and thoughts are truly yours versus which ones you're feeling because of somebody else's influence and their manipulation, maybe their emotional immaturity, or just simply their expectations. So let's now start to shift into maybe what would be the real meat of this episode on this podcast, Waking Up to Narcissism. And that would be the asterisk of But what about emotional immaturity and uh, potential personality disorders? How does that play into this role of differentiation when someone else on the other side of the relationship is being emotionally manipulative or, or narcissistic? So, I think we can even make an argument of why differentiation, or again, the ability to maintain one's own sense of self while being emotionally connected to others, is especially important when interacting with emotionally immature or narcissistic individuals. And here's why. So let's start with emotional immaturity and enmeshment. So emotionally immature individuals often have a really hard time recognizing boundaries. So they may be prone to emotional outbursts, they act impulsively, and make everything about themselves. If you are not well differentiated, then it's easy to become enmeshed in their world. And enmeshment again means that you become so deeply involved in their emotional state that it's hard to tell where their feelings end and yours begin. So differentiation helps you recognize and maintain your own boundaries and protect your emotional well-being. And I tried to come up with some narratives, and these are all going to be based off of a combination of clients or examples or emails that have come in. Let's, uh, let's talk about someone, and we'll call her Sarah. So remember when I'm saying that life throws these pop quizzes, so Sarah gets her quiz when, uh, when Jane, her close friend, would freak out over just the, the tiniest little things. So instead of just instinctively trying to pacify Jane, Then Sarah has to pause and say, why do I feel like I need to calm her storm? And she realizes that she's blurring this line between being supportive and then absorbing or taking on Jane's emotions. And that's when she learns that she can be there for her friend without losing herself in the process. So that would be this lesson learned about enmeshment. And let me just make the note that it can be very difficult because we've identified, I think, a lot on the podcast that a lot of times the, the more pathologically kind person finds themselves in that human magnet syndrome with the more emotionally immature, narcissistic individual. And a lot of times the pathologically kind people are on that chart of of highly sensitive. So, a highly sensitive person. So, that enmeshment can just start to feel overwhelming. And so, then the person in this scenario, Sarah, when she's reacting to to Jane's moods and, and her fits and her emotional storms, that then it can even be about Sarah's need to try to or desire to get rid of that emotional discomfort by trying to go and soothe or pacify or take care of Jane. But that is part of that process of becoming enmeshed. So when you are starting to step out of enmeshment, unfortunately, in this scenario, Jane is not going to say, man, I see what you're doing there, Sarah, and good for you. You need to be your own individual self. No, Sarah and Jane are probably friends at this point because Sarah does go in and try to calm Jane's emotional storm. And when Sarah does that, Jane's off to the next thing. And when she has another emotional outburst, then what does she do? She instinctively runs to Sarah because Sarah will try and fix or take the blame for or just be, become so enmeshed with Jane that then Jane again feels better and that pattern just continues. Another reason why this is so important is the just the concept of narcissistic manipulation because narcissistic individuals or incredibly emotionally immature individuals by nature are manipulators. So they often use tactics like gaslighting, so making you question your own reality or even things like emotional blackmail to get what they want. So a well-differentiated person is more resilient against these tactics because by having a strong sense of self, then you are less likely to be swayed by the, the narcissist or the emotionally immature person's manipulation or to start doubting your own perceptions and feelings. And so that becomes very, very important from a concept of differentiation is to really discover and and trust who you are as a person because then you won't be as likely to then fall back into that enmeshment or manipulation. I think this one comes maybe from more of the, the workforce, but let's, uh, let's say a person named Mike. And then he, uh, every time his business partner, Alex, turns a conversation around, he will make Mike feel guilty. And that was Mike's pop quiz moment. So we began to step back and wonder, why do I always end up feeling like the bad guy? So the reflection helps Mike understand the mind games at play. And he learned that he had the right to speak up without being manipulated. That is differentiation. But again, back to this concept with emotional immaturity, that doesn't mean that Alex, his business partner, is going to have the aha moment. But that's Mike's opportunity to recognize that as he becomes differentiated, that he deserves to have his own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Another reason why this is so important with emotionally immature narcissistic individuals is just the concepts of self-preservation and being authentic. Because interacting with emotionally immature or narcissistic people can be incredibly draining. And differentiation allows you to prioritize your needs and your own well-being over that of the emotionally immature. It does not mean shutting yourself out from the other person, but it means being true to your own feelings and your beliefs and your boundaries. Even, not I almost want to say not if, but when the other person disapproves or tries to push them because those boundaries become a challenge to the emotionally immature I've jotted down a a note of, it's a person named Emma, and it's another kind of a classic pop quiz moment. Every time her brother criticized her, instead of automatically second-guessing herself, she said, okay, why does this opinion make me doubt my choices? And and so that introspection taught Emma to value her judgment and make decisions that felt authentic, even if she didn't get her family seal of approval. So at first, that was, again, I hope you can see that the differentiation piece is being able to move from I need someone's uh, opinion or I need their validation to then recognizing that I, I can trust myself and that I can step away from needing somebody's seal of approval in order to take action on the things that really matter to me. Another concept would be avoiding the role of the enabler. So without proper differentiation, it's really easy to fall into the role of the enabler. And so this means that you might even start to unconsciously support or cover up for the emotionally immature or narcissistic person's poor behavior. So differentiation helps you recognize and break out of that dynamic because it will ensure that you don't contribute to the the continuation of these unhealthy patterns. Let's talk about somebody named Jake. Every time that he instinctively reaches for his wallet, when his friend Leo starts coming up with a sob story, it's handing Jake this pop quiz. Why am I always bailing him out? And then Jake had to really look Inward, And he realized his generosity was being taken for granted. And that insight was all he needed to start setting some boundaries and prioritize his well-being. Again, Leo didn't just say, okay, you're right. He even amped up the, the manipulation or the gaslighting. But the more that Jake was able to sit in that confidence and that discomfort and that invalidation, then he started recognizing that, that it was okay for him to not continue to bail Leo out of these situations that he felt like were, they always came with a sob story. Another thing another reason why this is so important is the concept of empowered communication because differentiation supports open, honest, and assertive communication. and it allows you to absolutely express your needs, your desires, your boundaries, and in interactions without fear of retaliation. That's what's so important or without the need for approval. And this becomes really crucial when you're dealing with individuals who may not respect or acknowledge your feelings. I'm thinking of a client uh, will start to try to jot down the name so I don't reuse one. let's call her Mia. She had a pop quiz every time she felt the urge to just do chores herself instead of confronting her roommate in college. And she just said, why am I scared to talk about what's bothering me? So she had a question and her introspection paved the way for more open communication and voicing her concerns was okay. And I think back to the role of this going on in in an emotionally immature relationship, it does not mean that the roommate said, you're right, I will start pitching in. But it's okay to start expressing your own needs and wants from a differentiated standpoint, because that will be part of this path of growth and learning. And then one more is this, why this is important is a grounding in reality, because emotionally immature narcissistic individuals, they create a whirlwind of drama. So a differentiated individual starts to learn to remain grounded in their own reality. So then they are, are far less likely to be swept up in the chaos and so, that clarity helps them make decisions that align with their own values instead of being reactive to the drama. And what is so fascinating about this is that that drama is necessary to the emotionally immature, narcissistic individual. It basically is the way that they express their sense of self. So, then they will they will find a new supply. It's what we often talk about if you just hold steady and remain firm and differentiated. So, in essence, with that concept, Differentiation serves as an emotional and, and kind of like a psychological anchor, and it grounds you in your own sense of self, even amid, what we'll call it a tumultuous sea of, of emotionally charged interactions. So then it allows you for having healthier relationships and interactions, especially when you're navigating this terrain of the emotionally immature narcissistic personality types. Because the more you become differentiated, and I can't stress this enough, then you are not as much of a target for the emotionally immature or narcissist, because they need that drama, they need that conflict, they need that dust up in order to to survive. So then as you become differentiated, then you're either going to see that person change, the relationship change, or you have now recognized that you are in a position where you deserve a, a better relationship. So let's talk about emotions and thoughts. Have you ever been told then you are being too emotional or advised to use your brain, not just your feelings? Because it is a common belief that emotions are these messy, inconvenient things that get in the way of making rational decisions. But there there is a twist in the story because our brains are designed in this amazing way where emotions actually are the things that take the lead. So imagine that you are, you're in a video game and there is a character who is very fast and he dashes ahead of everybody else. Yeah, He has rockets on his shoes. That's, that's kind of this metaphor for our emotions because they are always first to the scene. Then there's another character, a bit more relaxed, always strategizing, maybe taking in the surroundings. That's our thinking process because it's thorough and it's analytical. And, and speaking of which, I, let me tell a, a quick story about Jasmine. We'll call her Jasmine. So she is a thinker. In every sense of the word, and then among her friends, she though it was basically known as a classic overthinker, and she would always pause and analyze situations before making a move. But uh, she talked about one time going to the beach, and she said she was taken by surprise when her instincts then just overpowered her usual analytical self. And she noticed just that it was a kid's ball that was heading out toward the ocean. So in a heartbeat, she just jumped up, she dashed over, snatched the ball, handed it back to the relieved child. Everybody's happy. But she said when she went back and laid it down on her beach towel, she said she found herself pondering, why did I run so spontaneously without overthinking? And she said her answer was clear, her emotions. Because in that instant, they were in overdrive and they guided her before her thoughts had a chance to weigh in. And she said it actually reminded me of those childhood days when she was told things like don't cry, no need to get upset. Because over the years, she'd learned to mute those instant emotions and lean heavily on her thoughts. But that day on the beach, she said it was kind of like my wake up call. She said, I really don't need to sideline my emotional instincts, but instead I need to blend them uh, harmoniously in with my analytical side. So that lesson from her experience is that while our emotions are our brain's alert system, they signal us way before our thought process kicks into gear, but both have a, an, an immense amount of value. And here's the sciency bit that backs it up. So research in the field of neuroscience shows that our emotions in our brain light up about two and a half times faster than our thoughts they're kind of like that uh, turbo mode on a car while our thoughts are more of like the cruise control. So what do we do with that? The, the hope is you can harness the power of both. So the next time that you are labeled too emotional or you find yourself sidelining your own feelings, remember that there is a beautiful interplay happening in our brains between feeling and thinking. So when we respect and we understand the what's oh, a synergy, then that's when we truly start to thrive. So we embrace this balance of our thoughts um, and our emotions and that becomes more or less our superpower. As we wrap things up today, let me let me pull together these golden threads of the conversation. So we started, we dove deep into Bowen's differentiation of self theory, which is in simple terms, it's about understanding where our thoughts and feelings and or understanding where our thoughts and feelings and where others begin and end. And I know it sounds simple, but it is a lot harder in practice, especially when navigating relationships that are emotionally immature or um, narcissistic. And so speaking of those relationships, if you find yourself in those relationships with the incredibly emotionally immature or even narcissistic, then you know it is a bit of a rocky road, which is a very wonderful ice cream, I'm not going to lie. But while deciding whether to stay or leave in such a relationship, understanding differentiation is, you can see why it's crucial, because it's about carving out your emotional and mental space, even when faced with overwhelming emotions or manipulative tactics. But here's where it gets tricky. Do you ever get that gut feeling about something, but you can't quite put it into words? That is your visceral reaction. And it's an instinctive emotional response. And it can come from our childhood days. Many of us have been conditioned to push aside those gut feelings. Don't overreact. You're being too sensitive. It's not that serious. That stuff starts to sound pretty familiar, right? So over time, by suppressing those feelings, we are essentially stifling our built-in survival instincts. But then here's the catch. Emotions, no matter how deep we bury them. They have a knack for starting to resurface. And if we ignore them too long, they can explode in ways that we may not be very happy with. We may even regret. But remember, amidst all the complexity, this is the beauty of it. You are the only version of you. And you've got that blend of your uh, nature and nurture and DNA and abandonment, and rejection and past experiences and dreams and hopes and fears and even past wounds. But that Basically means there is no one else like you. So your journey with its up and ups and downs is exclusively yours. So no matter where you are right now, as cliched as it is, that is exactly where you need to be. So as I sign off, I, I hope you'll carry forward this understanding and this, and just view every challenge as this opportunity for growth, even when it's difficult. And but you must treat yourself with kindness and grace and forgiveness. No matter the tides or the storms of life, I just hope you will believe in this, that you do have the strength and the wisdom to sail through this. Just continue to stay curious, even if it's only about yourself and your situations, and stay strong emotionally. And if you can't physically, that's going to help too. But most importantly, start to stay you. Figure out who you are and then continue to beat that amazing, wonderful person. And if you have questions, thoughts, comments, send them my way, and I will see you next time on Waking Up to Narcissism.